Shit's about to get messy. Real messy. Oh, you want my number? Oh no, sorry, I don't give it out to strangers. <laughs> yeah, but you can listen to my podcast though. It's Mrs. Darkside with another episode. <laughs> that was really that was really bad. Happy happy th- happy Thursday. <laughs> I'm not gonna start over. I was going to, but uh, happy Thursday and welcome to another episode of Meet My Mess with me. Caressa Harrison. And the reason I called myself Mrs. Darkside this morning was because today is a little bit more of a serious episode. But before we get into that, I want to give myself a little public pat on the back, a little bit of a humble brag, if you will. <laughs> Two humble brags, I guess. This weekend, quite a bit of sexual intercourse was proposed to me about three options and I declined them all I'm growing up I'm keeping on well with my abstinence and I'm feeling good I'm feeling very in need my needs are not met that's for sure but I'm feeling confident about myself and proud of myself for that one. So a pat on the back. And I hope you guys aren't following in my footsteps right now. I will explain later when I feel ready why I'm choosing to be abstinent right now, probably soon, but it's a very serious subject and I want to make sure I do the topic right and in a good headspace so that you guys can benefit from what I have to say on the topic as well. That's really the only update I have. Other than that, I've just been like fucking around, bumming around. Um, Who cares? Not you. I don't need to tell you about my lame ass life that I didn't do anything. I am wearing makeup today and I did my hair though. The episode's late, but I'm ready to go. I'm still in sweats, but that won't change until I have paparazzi following me and I have any need at all to look at all decent at any time um other than that comfort and convenience are my mantras so if you are not in the mood for a serious episode get in the fucking mood because that's what we're talking about today and there are some serious serious topics to be covered today It sounds like I'm joking and fucking around, but that's mostly just because I don't know how to. Whoa, I just discovered a new button on my microphone. (gasps) Whoa, that could be something useful. You guys are going to be able to hear me much better now. (laughs) That's so cool. Okay. Anyways, me discovering gadgets. I'm so shit with technology. I'm already getting so off track. We're going to have a serious episode, a serious talk about the world today. And I'm pretty nervous to do this episode, as you can probably tell by my ranting. Um, But I've had a lot of messages and just people in my life 
say to me they wish that I would discuss um how do I put this discuss like world issues more because it is something that I am very passionate about and in my daily life I research a lot and I discuss a lot but on this podcast I kind of push my that part of myself down so that um you all can see the comedic side of me because I know that's the more fun side and it's the easier side of me to show this side of me takes a lot of mental effort, I guess. Um, But yeah, today we're going to talk about, it's kind of going to be the only thing we talk about today is just some social movements or some world issues happening in the world right now that I think deserve more attention and before I get into all this there's a couple things I want to say first I'm going to put a list of all the topics below so I would maybe just check if you're like worried about trigger warnings and stuff maybe check them out um or you can just listen along and I'll preface what each topic is before I dive into it. So if you hear one that might trigger you, um, maybe just skip over that part or yeah, just skip over that part. But yeah, we're going to be discussing social movements that need some more light shed on them. Also, I also want to preface, I'm not obviously an expert in any of these topics but I do have a formal education and a degree in sociology so talking about these kinds of topics are what I'm trained and educated to do so I'm not just spewing I would say here I'm actually the most educated on the topics I'm speaking of. Most of the other topics I speak about are life experience, but these um, topics I actually am quite well researched on. So hopefully you can take my word for that. You can listen to what I have to say. You can take my opinions. I hope you take my opinions with a grain of salt and um, form your own and just take what I have to say as a way to reflect on your own opinions about the topics and also a way to reflect on your place in this world. That's another reason why I wanted to do this episode was because I guess I should maybe say say this all at the end, but it's too late now. Um, Another reason I wanted to do it was because I've just been feeling, I've been feeling really, really good in my own life and like I'm in a good place and I have a good head on my shoulders. And Now I'm feeling very, I guess, just called to help more in, I don't know, the community, in the world, Um, not just reposting things on Instagram, you know, um, not just signing petitions. All those things are great and helpful and education is so important, but I'm really hoping to take quite a bit of time when I can this year to actually like lend a helping hand because I'm very lucky and I'm very privileged. And I realize that and it's not something we need to be embarrassed to say that we're privileged. If we are, it's just we need to recognize it and move forward to rekindle relationships and 
just move with knowing that you have the privilege you do, I guess is what I'm trying to say there. But without any more stupid ass rambling, let's get into the first topic. Um, and that is extreme poverty. So it kind of seems like to me every city in the world really is having a massive homelessness problem. Everywhere I hear, turn, people are talking about their homelessness issues, um, but we're not really talking about it on a global scale. And this is because if you aren't part of an upper or middle class society, you are often forgotten about. You're not brought into these forms of discourse, you know, like if you are a homeless man, it's unlikely you're going to get on one of the big list, big list, biggest (laughs) um, mental health platforms or something along those lines and tell your story. Um, Your thoughts aren't taken into consideration when making policy what a rich white man thinks of your situation may be taken into consideration, but what you actually are asking for and needing as a homeless or impoverished person is not being met all around the world. This is not just a problem in Canada. This is not just a problem in, hopefully that made sense. The States, it's not just a problem in Africa, even though Africa is a whole other issue. I won't have time to get in today, but their situation is just so bad and it's so crazy it hasn't gotten better but anyways um yeah it's not just happening in one place it's happening in cities all around the world and it's no surprise it's happening obviously because covid's around jobs are being lost um businesses are going bankrupt you know it's not a surprise that people are impoverished but It's just upsetting that millions and millions of dollars all around the world go into infrastructure and tourism and things along those lines, which I understand are important for building the economy. But while people are planning to build multi-million dollar casinos, someone who's come across hard times is digging through the food, the trash for food they're digging through and just trying to find a last meal, a little bit of scraps to get them through to the next day. And hopefully they'll make it to that next day. So it's just something to think about for sure. When you lay your head down at night, um, grocery and housing prices are continuing to increase. It's nearly impossible for someone in their twenties to live on their own these days, or even with a roommate, it's very, very difficult. Um, but that's, this isn't about me or my struggles. It's more about those who are coming from a place of living on the streets and trying to just make it, just trying to cross that line, break that, whatever, what is it, glass ceiling? I don't know if that's the right expression, but I'm going to ask like I know what I'm talking about there. Um, glass door? I don't know. <laughs> so dumb. But yeah, it's about breaking through that and it's really hard to when a loaf of bread is four dollars and you had only gotten four dollars from being on the side of the roads and I'm not going to get into 
all the ways it's possible to get yourself off the streets because I don't know what that's like and I don't know what those steps look like. So I can't speak on that. But uh, extreme poverty is a very complicated issue. They need to have, if they're, if we're talking in terms of housing, we need to have space for new buildings. We need to figure out costs of housing, um, plans for people to sustain themselves. You can't just put someone who has been a drug addict for 10 years on the streets in an apartment and expect them to pay rent every month and use their money wisely to get food and to get a job and to fully get their life together. There needs to be a plan put in place, but it's very, very complicated. It's very, very layered, but I think that this is an issue we need to really start working out. Um, It needs to stop being put on the back burner. People are dying. People are suffering. And people are just choosing to turn a blind eye to it because it's easier for them. It benefits the middle class and upper class to turn a blind eye. But if you were in the situation where you were out on the streets in the middle of December with nothing but a jean jacket sleeping on the side of the road, because you were running away from your domestic violence partner, you would hope someone would just lend you a helping hand because you're going to die. Otherwise you're not going to survive otherwise. And that's not your fault. So that's number one, extreme poverty. We really need to work on it. Start putting plans into place. Any idea is a good idea. This has been an issue for far, 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 far too long. And it's not one that is getting enough social attention, in my opinion. Okay, the next topic is one that I am probably the one I'm the most passionate about. It's been the one I've been studying the longest. I've been studying decolonization since I was... 16 years old, 15 years old, um, very passionate about decolonization. If you guys don't know what decolonization is, I don't have like a proper definition with me, but it's basically, um, undoing the cultures and traditions and yeah, cultures and traditions that have been placed on indigenous or Aboriginal people. Aboriginal isn't the proper term for here in Canada, but I'm not sure what it is elsewhere. First Nations, whatever um, works for your world, but it's taking the cultures and all that that's been imposed on these people and unworking that, listening to the wants and needs of the people whose land we've came and stolen And that's what's happened. If you can try and argue any way about it at the end of the day, Europeans came to the land, killed people off, tortured them and took their land. And we as white people are still benefiting from taking this land. That was a really bad definition, but I hope that makes sense. Um, It just basically means working with the indigenous communities that's the word I'm going to use because that's the word that I know to be correct for here in Canada um taking what has happened and just working with the community 
to come to a place of equal living where indigenous groups feel they have um, had their needs met, had been compensated for the crimes that have committed. And honestly, I don't know if we'll ever fully reach a place of full decolonization because of how heinous like all these crimes were, but it's so important to start working at it. Um, and people might kind of be confused about what I'm talking about right now. Um, but because a lot of countries hide this history. I mean, in Canada, we have such a strong history. In Australia, um, terrible colonization, terrible colonization in the Middle East, in the States. So, but the reason that maybe you haven't heard so much about this or some reason you don't think about it so much is because no one wants to talk about it. No officials want to talk about it. No white people who are benefiting from the resources of indigenous people want to talk about it. And high up government officials are doing their best to hide and ignore what happened. They're going to keep it buried down or keep the severity, at least of it, buried down for as long as possible. In Canada, we started to have more conversations about it in school, about here we have we have something called residential schools, which I will explain in a second. But um, we've started to talk it more, talk more about it in school, but it's still a very watered down version of what really occurred in these schools. And I still feel a lot of Canadians don't have the full story. And I probably don't have the full story either. There's still so much to learn and so many stories that are coming out. But yeah, here in Canada, we had something called residential schools. And basically, children were abducted from their home by government officials who were masked as like government agents, or I don't know what they called them exactly, but they would take them, number them, and then bring them to a residential school that was far, far away from their homes. Um, the children no longer had any contact with the parents. The parents had no idea where their children were going or if they'll ever see them again. Imagine just someone knocking on your door and just literally taking your child and knowing you've been the best parent you possibly could be and having your ch child ripped from you. But anyways, not anyways, that's not a detail to ignore, but moving on is a better way to put it. Um, the children were taken to these schools and just completely ripped their identity. They had to have their heads shaved completely. Um, they were given new white names. Their um, indigenous names were stripped from them. They weren't even marked in their school records. Um, so when they died, no one even knew who had died or the parents never got to know where their child had gone. But the children would get to the schools once totally ripped of their identities. They weren't allowed to speak um, their native languages anymore so that they didn't keep um, keep learning them 
or keep up with them so that they had to lose them. Sorry, I lost my train of thought. But yeah, they would get there and the treatment was horrible. It was ran by, um, I can't remember if it's Catholic priests or someone in the Catholic Christian church, nuns, I don't know. Um, I'm not that intellectually, I'm not that well-read on religion or at least the Christian religion, Catholic religion. But um, they ran the schools and basically they just tortured them these kids all became super sick they were neglected they didn't get to eat they were beat anytime that they were caught speaking their native language or anytime they were caught doing whatever out of line um i read horrible stories like please um this is pretty like graphic so but i read a horrible story about a little girl being pushed down the stairs by one of the priests and her little brother who was only eight years old the little girl was five and the brother was eight at the top of the stairs he watched his little sister roll down the concrete steps until she died um, hitting her head in the concrete and this is just one case there's thousands and thousands of little kids that just got murdered and raped I hate like I hate to say but it's true it's the reality of the situation it's what happened and people in Canada are now hearing about these bodies that were found but I want to make it clear these bodies have been these bodies have been found we knew there were thousands and thousands and thousands of kids at least some people knew I don't it was I guess public knowledge but um that there were thousands of thousands of kids that had been murdered and I don't know when no one knows an exact figure because these kids didn't have names anymore they just had numbers um the evidence was hidden we don't know how many kids really died so the figures we're getting as tragic as they are as they are the real numbers are 10 times worse 10 times worse and this isn't just the case here i really want to make that clear i want to make sure everyone gets well read on their indigenous histories it's really really important to get well read on um we've benefited off this land for years um and it's just become very normal to everyone almost that these people were ostracized people these communities are still living living on reses which are totally which is totally their right and i think they should continue to have land that is only theirs but it does mean that we are quite separated as communities um there is this sense of you're an other and we're an other to them you know there's not a lot of integration and i understand why because for years we have forced integration but it would be nice to see integration in a way where we could give back to these communities that our ancestors really really harmed because these people are still being harmed by these things that happened years ago there's alcoholism as a form of it which affects generation there's mental health issues that goes down generations there's crime there's drugs there's poverty so many factors are still affecting people today anyways i could go on about this for hours and i was wanting to do a whole episode on it but because i am a um white girl i didn't 
really want to talk about this all on my own. I really wanted to talk about it with someone from the Indigenous community because I think that that's the right thing to do. Um, but we're also going to run out of time if I keep going on about this topic. But please, please do your research. Okay, the next thing I want to talk about is kind of hand in hand in a way um, is police brutality. Now, this is not an issue I would say that we're not shedding light on. I think that the last year has shed a lot of light on police brutality. And that's not to say we don't still have a lot further to go. But um, I still want to talk about it because I want to make it clear that this is not only an issue for black people in America. And please, please understand, I'm not taking away from how problematic it is the issue of police brutality against African-American people in America is. That is a massive problem in its own. But I'm simply trying to say it's happening to other groups in other places as well, and we need to do something about it. And it's, we see everything happening in Afghanistan right now. We see um, police brutality against Latin Americans in the States. We see it all here in Canada, too. It's everywhere. Um, police brutality in Mexico. I don't know about South America, but I can only. Yeah, actually, I, it's happening everywhere. OK, I'm almost positive. I can't say 100 percent because I'm not I don't have the facts with me. I can't cite that, <laughs> but I'm sure it's happening everywhere. Um, but the point I'm trying to make here is that world policing systems have are really archaic we've really outgrown them as a society society has completely changed since we implemented these first policing systems um we have much more surveillance we have social media we have um a way to keep each other accountable in the world um, we have improved investigative techniques. Um, what I'm trying to get at is talking about defunding the police. And I don't want to get fully, fully into it, but I'm pretty on board with the idea of defunding the police. Um, I think that the system is just completely corrupt. There's no going back. I think there are a lot of things that we can take from the policing system we can have and implement them into the new system, but something needs to drastically, and I mean drastically, change. The policing systems we have worldwide right now are all based on one common thing, and that is intimidation and intimidation tactics. And it's shown that this is not working. People all over the world, including now white people, don't feel they can contact their local police for help. People are scared of the police. That was never supposed to be the goal. They were supposed to be there to help the community. And now they are the most feared members of the community. So if a whole population, a whole global population nearly <clears throat> has some type of feeling toward the police, don't you think that maybe it's time we 
start to work out some alternative, um, maybe some sort of accountability system between peers. I don't know. That's probably a terrible idea. That's just going to start gangs. But, you know, I think about it all the time and I do have a lot of ideas, but no one's going to listen to this podcast. A 22 year old has. But I would like to see people start listening to young people more because we got some good ideas and we know what we're talking about and we're well-researched, we're well-studied and we have a lot of resources. So don't count out our ideas. But the one I just had about, okay, we're moving on. We're moving on. I'm getting so off track. I'm like working out my ideas for saving the world on my podcast now. And uh, that can get pretty deep and this is not a space to do that at. Um, Okay. Oh, I've got a cough. <coughs> oh, smoked a little before this episode because I was nervous because um, I was nervous about talking about all these subjects. But you don't know how many times I went to sociology lectures and gave presentations absolutely blazed out of my mind and got an A. So it's kind of the state that I can just sit back and reflect on the world and hopefully hopefully my thoughts come out coherent later but right now I think I'm doing okay my least favorite thing when I would have to go to sociology class was fucking people who would use fucking words that no one knows and then not explain them just to sound smart there's one kid in one of my classes I would always just fucking no neoliberal hierarchy like no one knew what he was talking about and um makes me miserable so I hope you guys understand what I'm talking about um at least to some extent okay next people are dying at alarming rates in third world countries (laughs) I said that like I was reading a teleprompter kind of was I was reading my notes I have notes yes um but yeah people are dying really quickly all around the world um and us in first world countries have kind of just turned a blind eye and I know that there is a lot going on globally and it's maybe not necessarily the time to fully be um focusing all of our attention and resources on other countries but it's still something that needs to be solved and something that deserves attention um Yeah, so people in the last five years, sorry, people in need in the last five years, that number has jumped from 90 million people, like people in need, whether it be food insecurity, sickness, violence, STDs, whatever it may be. Um, The number of people in need has jumped from 90 million to 235 million in the past year not the past year, past five years. Sorry. Wow. I'll rephrase that because that was like the shittiest fact I've ever given in my life. People in need in the last five years, that figure has jumped from 9 million people to 235 million people in the last five years. And that's really fucking scary. Honestly, that's not a couple thousand. That's a hundred over a hundred million more people in the last five years that are just on the brink of death in third world countries while 
we sit in a comfort of our own home binging Netflix all day, which we love to do. But let's let's just check our privilege really quickly again for one second. Um, It's very, very, very easy for us to turn a blind eye here in first world countries. I'm not really sure why that is. Maybe it's because we just can't even really fathom what life is like in third world countries. Um, Maybe it's because, again, it benefits us to leave them be. I don't know why. But this is really, really alarming. And if we want a world of culture and uniqueness and beauty where we can learn from perspective, and if we want places to travel to and people to learn from, and we, if we want cultures to live on and stories to live on and information to live on and traditions to live on, we need to help the whole world. I'm pretty sick of like borders being a stopping point for helping humans like when did that become a thing that it was country versus country which country was better which country was best if you are the best country in the world I want you to think about why that is is that because you are sustaining the most money or is it because you're helping the most people because those are two very definitions of good and one is a lot better to me than the other Next. Okay. To piggyback off of what I just talked about, I want to talk about food insecurity. This is a huge, huge issue. We are not discussing enough massive issue, life-threatening issue for all of us, not just some of us, for all of us in the world. Um, We are consuming so much right now, so much. And so quickly, too, um, our land just simply can't keep up with the way we're consuming at this time. The idea of not wasting has kind of completely gone out the window. Uh, It's not people don't cook to use their resources anymore. And what I mean by that is if you have however much produce that's going to go bad in the next two days people don't cook a meal based on that produce so that they can use what they have instead of going to buy new things for the meal they would prefer not only is this going to save you money but it's also going to massively massively save the planet and with how we're consuming right now we're the ones that are making our groceries more expensive i hate to break it to you it's not trudeau it's not biden it's not Mr. Homekachan, <laughs> so ridiculous. Um, it's us. It's because we're consuming so much. Suppliers can't keep up with the demand, so they need to charge more for the food. It's simple accounting. Um, but yeah, we're the ones that are making our grocery prices shoot right up and it's making food unaffordable. It's making food insecure. People don't know where they're getting their next meals from, but it's because the upper class are consuming so, so heavily that there's these prices are shooting up and there's not a lot left for those who can't afford these new food prices. But eventually it's just going to be the wealthy who can afford to eat. And that's really scary. That's terrifying, especially 
with how obsessed we are in the Western world with the idea of like mass wealth. Because if all the wealth's going to one person, what's left for the rest? So we just really need to watch our waste. Um, I wouldn't say this problem is as, pr- is as pressing as some of like the humanitarian issues, but it's going to become a very big issue if we don't fix the climate, which we will talk about. Mm, let me talk about that. I'm trying to like decide. We know, we know climate change is a massive issue, right? In that the planet is the most important issue for us right now. Um, so many, okay, but, okay, let me just talk about it a little because I can't just ignore climate change. I wasn't going to talk about it, but I'll talk about it. Um, but yeah, it's the most pressing issue in my opinion. And I've said it once and I've said it before on the podcast. I've said it once and I've said it before and I'll say it again. Um, we don't have a planet to have all of these issues on if we don't deal with climate change. We don't have the ability to have the government distracting us. We don't have the ability to have, this sounds so fucked up, but like refugees and things like there will be nothing. There'll be nothing to improve upon if we don't fix our planet. There'll be nothing to do better on. There'll be nothing to do worse on because we just won't exist. No one will exist and humanity will be completely wiped out. And that is the most pressing issue of them all, unfortunately. As much as the other ones are so, so, so important to shed light on, this is number one. Because without this one, we don't have the other ones. We don't have the other problems. Okay. But back to what I was going to talk about next is the sixth thing that I think is quite problematic in the world that we're not shedding enough light on is the government (laughs) distracting us I already talked about defunding the police but this is a little different so I've talked about moral panic theory on the podcast before you haven't heard that episode basically moral panic theory tells us that the government creates panic for society around one subject so in order to distract from a different subject so for example right now i'm not saying covid's not real i'm saying that covid is our main focus globally at the moment so the government knows this they are the ones constructing this they are the ones putting out this data putting out this propaganda to really really worry us and again i'm not saying it's something we shouldn't be worried about but i'm just saying there's other issues going on that are equally if not more dire like climate change that are being ignored because of covid right now And this, in my opinion, this is not something that like anyone, a doctor told me, is because COVID is a much, much 
easier and less complex problem to deal with than climate change. It's because the government has some sort of way to fix COVID at the moment. We have vaccines, we have herd immunity, whatever. There's some sort of plan. But when it comes to climate change, well, we're not doing such a good job. No government is doing such a good job. There's a couple Nordic countries that are doing quite well in terms of renewable energy and things like that, but no country is really doing unreal. And as a population, we're not doing well enough. Okay, I'm getting back into climate change. Um, But solving all of these issues all at once for the government would cost a shit ton of money. And a shit ton of money that they would prefer to put into things that benefit the government. (laughs) Um, So just think about where the attention is being thrown in the news, in the media, everywhere. And also just remember that that is not the only issue going on as much as it might feel natural to panic about things such as COVID. There are other things going on and everything is going to be okay. Globally, on a global scale, COVID is something we are going to overcome. So don't stress. Um, okay. We're, I'm really talking for a while today, but that's okay. We're getting towards the end. Um, okay. The next topic I want to discuss is refugees. So we kind of talked already about people dying at alarming rates in third world countries. So I'll just touch on refugees. But more than 80 million people were forced to flee their homes last year. And I think that in the Western world, it's very easy for us to not understand those humanitarian problems or say that we have our own. But it's because we can't really fathom waking up one morning or every morning thinking, okay, today I might die. Today I might be tortured. Today I might be taken from my family. Today I might be raped. Today I might be separated from my children. Today I might have to leave on a 25-day journey with my whole family in which only probably half of us will survive. Imagine waking up with that stress every morning. And we hear worried again about building the million dollar casino. It just seems a little bit like the priorities are out of whack. I don't know. Just call call me crazy. Call me Mrs. Darkside. But we have the resources for these people in our upper class societies. If we were all more conscious, which is really one of the biggest issues, they all they all really come back to just white people being shitty and privilege really and not just worrying about the needs of the planet i kind of got off track there yeah that's kind of all i had to say is just like check your privilege on refugees and when you're telling people why we shouldn't have refugees here I really want you to think about why that is is that because you think that we actually have places to put the resources into and you think that all of our resources are tied up in a completely perfect way already and we can't afford refugees 
then okay, make that argument, but I doubt you can. Um, but if it's because you simply just want more, then you really, really, really need to check yourself. Maybe you just don't care. Maybe they just don't care that you're that greedy, but I don't know. Okay, next. Hopefully you guys aren't feeling exhausted by this. It's a lot. I know it's a shit ton, but there's two more topics. And then I think you guys should just like watch them stand up or something or go listen to old episodes where I'm not talking about such sad shit. But okay, number nine, domestic violence. We all know that these numbers and figures have heavily, heavily increased due to COVID-19. Um, it's no secret. People have been locked in their houses and there that has led to more domestic violence cases, which is obviously tragic. It's made me sick to my stomach. Um, yeah, it's disgusting. I don't know much about domestic violence or I don't have much to say other than, um, find proper resources to get out of the situation you're in don't just try and flee because I know that necessarily always ends up bad but um I'm sorry for what you're going through and I hope you make it out okay but um also domestic violence towards males has become a massive issue and this is something I kind of wanted to shed light on more I think that the line in domestic violence for men and women is very different. Um, For women, it can look like being yelled at, being grabbed. You know, that can be a very mild, but a case of domestic violence. Whereas when it comes to men, we can't even really think of where that line would begin. Like, slapping your boyfriend across the face like in some people's minds wouldn't be considered domestic violence but it is you're being abusive um screaming bloody murder at your boyfriend for hours on end is highly highly abusive but we don't look at it that way in society but if a man were to do it it would be a totally different story and It's just really sad to me to think that men don't feel they deserve more in a relationship than someone who has their head on their shoulders, who is going to communicate with you properly. And it's also sad that men don't think that there are women out there who have that capability to speak level-headedly and to speak with a caring demeanor. Um, but I just want to think girls who are in relationships to think about that, um, how your actions might be affecting your boyfriend, um, and your behaviors, how they're affecting him. It might not be as obvious as when something he does affects you. Okay. Last, the last topic I want to talk about is child safety on the internet. So I feel like we've all become very, very comfortable on the internet, almost too comfortable. We have become also very comfortable with kids on the internet, girls dancing, little girls dancing on TikTok, people talking to in random chat rooms on Roblox. It's become very normalized that children communicate, share, 
and just move on the internet. But you want to know who else moves on the internet? Incels. And they move on the internet much more frequently than your 11-year-old does and much more deliberately and intentionally than your 11-year-old does. And as sick and disgusting as it is for to think about or to even fathom some 40-year-old man jerking it to your daughter dancing on TikTok, the reason she has 10 million views is not because she's a good dancer. A moment of silence for that. It's sick, it's sad, but it's happening. And it's irresponsible as a parent to first not create an open dialogue with your child about this. Your child is not the one that's responsible for a 40-year-old pervert man's behavior. But it is your responsibility as a child, as a parent to teach your child how to operate safely on the internet and who to talk to and who not to talk to. And I guarantee they won't fully listen to you, but at least they'll have that red flag going off and be at least somewhat conscious of the risks. And hopefully they'll feel confident enough in your relationship that they can come talk to you if someone is making them feel uncomfortable online this is huge paramount parents have gotten way too comfortable and letting their kids go on the internet and it's probably because honestly in a lot of cases the 11 year old understands the internet way better than the parent does and maybe they don't understand the full risks but the child isn't really looking into what are my risks of using the internet they're more concerned about their for you page of course they don't understand algorithms they don't understand all that but that's why you have a 20 year old who's in the middle to tell you this is a very concerning issue and something you should be very concerned about oh my gosh I forgot one last thing one last world topic um <laughs> the last dire dire issue in the world and something that's been weighing really on my heart is the fact that I still only make $25 off of this podcast month. I need some love. I need a five-star rating. I need a subscribe on YouTube. Oh, that would be amazing on YouTube. I really need some help on YouTube. Also on wherever else, Apple, Spotify. Um, follow all my socials it would really really be much appreciated and I love the support and this episode has felt very fulfilling and very um true to me and who I am and what I care about so I hope that you guys enjoyed the topics have a good week bye